glad that you are here. Welcome to all those that are in person worshiping with us and to those that are joining us online from literally around the world, which is just an incredible, humbling idea that God could use this church located here in this way to go around the world. So welcome, welcome to all. A couple of just uh, personal thoughts before we dive into our message today. Uh, probably closest in, to my heart right now is, you may or may not be aware, but one of our own, um, Brandy Alpha, uh, was traveling to Louisiana and suffered a head-on collision this past weekend, and the only injuries that she sustained were due to the seatbelt and the airbags uh, deploying and was able to walk away from that accident. And I've seen a picture of the car and um, praise God for uh, what he did for her. So that's just something that we definitely want to celebrate and we're grateful, love all these families, the Alphas, and just grateful that that is the outcome of that. I want to share that with you. Also, uh, as you've met uh, some of our interns already today, Brandon Reynolds, the in, my intern that serves in our preaching role, will be returning. He's coming in town today. He will be launching our summer series next Sunday. So I want you to make plans. If you're in town, make plans to be here and worship with us. Because first of all, if you've heard Brandon speak, you know that Brandon has a gift. And it is a great to see these uh, young guys coming out and they, that he is being shaped by God. And you play a big role in that. You play a big role in this congregation. Brandon wanted to come back this summer. He felt there's more that he has to learn. And so one of the things is, is I pass on to him and said, okay, last summer I outlined the series and gave him pieces of it to preach this year as he's grown, he's outlined the sermon. He's given some pieces back to me uh, to preach. It's called Desperate. And, yeah, you got to let him learn, you know, some. But the idea is that we're going to seek God in our need. And we're going to look at different people from the scriptures that encountered a need in their life. And it was in the moment of that need when it's easy to think that God's far and distant, that he shows up in the middle of that. And so if there's a need in your life, if, if there's a, a big um, dry area in your life that you're wondering, is God ever going to be responsive? Is he ever going to show up? Is he ever going to come and meet me in this part of my life? This is a series for you. And I want to encourage you to be here. I also want to encourage you to invite somebody that may be blessed um, by this series uh, as well. And so I hope that uh, you would make, make time for that, especially in, if you can't be here for every summer, I mean every sermon, follow along, uh, follow it online, and uh, you, will be, you will be blessed uh, by that. And so that will all begin uh, next week. Last thing that I'm excited about happens today is that um, following this service, I don't know if it's been mentioned yet, but uh, part of our vision is that we're praying for a harvest of baptisms, and we're eager to see more and more people come to Jesus in faith and and put him on in the waters of baptism. And we're going to celebrate one today, uh, immediately following this service, and I'm going to make sure you're all invited uh, to that. It'll take place out in our courtyard and uh, make plans, if you would, to be there for 
uh, for that. Hang around if just a few minutes if you're headed out. Uh, enjoy that and see a new life come into Jesus. Uh, if you would, let me pray, and then we'll launch into our, our, our message today. Father, we come from all kinds of different places, some of joy, some of despair, some of fulfillment, and some hungry for you to be at work in our life. So, Father, wherever we find ourselves this morning, would you open your word to us? Would you speak to us? Would you change us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have the scripture journals, you can open to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Um, I'm going to do a shout out right now for our student ministry. You may not be aware, but our student ministry doesn't pick up our scripture journals. They have these larger, um, full, complete Bibles that are called journaling Bibles. And Justin gives them this Bible as they come into youth ministry, as they join our Y, our Western Hills Youth, as they become a part of that. And then the challenge for them is every sermon, every class, every devotional, every camp, every retreat, whatever the opportunity is for them to be teaching, that they would be journaling this. And so now when they graduate, as Cutter and Cooper, my two kids, are are doing um, into this week, uh, as they go from here, we're not giving them a brand new, freshly wrapped Bible that's never been opened. But they're taking a Bible with them that's been loaded up already that's got their notes and their prayers and their encouragement and their blessings in it. And I just think that's so powerful. And so I say that, just encourage you in your own pursuit of Scripture, take a, take a play from our, our students and, and be engaged in God's Word uh, in that way. There is a great blessing to be found in that. While you're looking for, and by the way, page 1500 in this, if you're for students, this is where we're going to be today. As... Uh, as you're look, looking at it, I'll share with you an experience that I had. But I want to ask first, is anybody tired? Is anybody going to go to sleep on me right here in the middle of the sermon? Is anybody tired and worn out from trying to do Good. We live in a culture that whether or not you can empirically prove it, subjectively it seems that the more you try to do good, the more culture is going to attempt to beat you up. And now we have these weapons of social media that can rally anonymous mobs with people that will never meet face to face but they can shame you and they can make you feel like you're the only person that holds the belief you're the only person that wants to do do the right thing now I, I I'm not this is not some type of political sermon but I see now even now that when somebody posts something that should be non-controversial, like thoughts and prayers, becomes contentious on social media. And it becomes then the object of scorn because, of, well, you're not doing that, just thoughts and prayers. And I've got to tell you, there's moments that for me personally, 
in recent history, and a lot of it even goes back to as we walked into COVID and, and all that happened there, it just seemed like we all got really tired. And this idea of doing the right thing, doing good, seems like it's a whole lot more work than it used to be five or ten years ago. There, there is a great, one of the reasons that I love that, that you guys so encourage and bless our internship, our youth interns, and our preaching intern is because there are the ministers are leaving the church in great numbers these days. It is weekly that I get a phone call from some church somewhere that says, Scott, who do you know out there? Who, who's somebody that we can talk to? And obviously I'll tell them about our interns that have, that have come, come through here. But there is a great, great resignation, not just in secular world, but across, uh, across even the ministry. And the reason is so many guys and girls are just so tired of doing the right thing and getting beat up for it. Now, this is going to sound heavy, and I'm sorry. But this is exactly where the church that Paul was writing to in Thessalonica, where we have this letter of Second Thessalonians, he's writing to a church that's feeling beat up for doing the right thing. And they're experiencing all kinds of persecution. And it's increasing. It's not decreasing. So the more faithful they are, the harder it gets. Have you ever been to one of those um, uh, truck shows where it's the drag competition? Drag, like dragging something, by the way. So, sorry. And the idea, it's a pull competition, and the idea is the truck has a weight, and they've designed the weight in such a way that it goes up a ramp, and then, so it's testing the, the power of the truck. And so they're pulling it, and as it increases, the weight is moving up the ramp, making it harder and harder. Therefore, the harder you work, the harder it works, the harder it goes. Everybody done a stress test? Everybody done a straight, I mean, a medical stress test? What happens to these stress tests? They bring you in, they hook all the different feeds up and the lines up. You get on the treadmill, they set it for one, and you're like, I got this. And they set it for 1.5. I got this. And then they raise it up just a little bit. I got this. And then it keeps going five, six, seven. It's going higher and going faster. And now you're profusely sweating and you're just hoping to survive. You realize, I don't actually beat this test. Because it doesn't matter how much faster or harder or longer I think I can run. The lab tech always has another number on the dial, right? And I'm just worn out. That's what Paul's church, that's what these people were experiencing. The more they did, the harder it got. And I'm just wondering, is anybody experiencing that in our culture today that seems like 
the more you try, it seems like culture is ready to beat you up even harder. That's where these first Christians found themselves. They were just like us. I've said before, I believe the, the gap between the first century and the 21st century, first century when these documents were first written, 21st century when we're trying to live it out now, has never been closer than it has been, than it is right now. Because we are experiencing the same dynamics. And so Paul writes to encourage this church. And he writes, and, we, and that's what he's been doing this whole letter. And we get into chapter 3. And we're going to pick it up in verse 6. And he's going to go off on a tangent first. And it's going to seem like a tangent. In fact, this is almost going to seem like two different sermons at some point. But we're going to do that because that's where Paul's going with this. And so follow along. The first part is actually the little bit longer part. But I want you to follow along with me and, and see where, where he goes. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. Okay, pause real quick. He's about to address a very specific problem, but I'm going to suggest that it's a symptom of what's going on, of this weariness, this tiredness that they're experiencing. And so he he talks about people that are being idle. That are coasting by. Okay? Next slide. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. Because we were not idle when we were with you. So Paul's making a comparison. He says there's some people being idle out there. They're not pulling their weight. They're not engaging in helping build up the body. And he says you did not see us behave this way. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. One more. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. When Paul planted a church... He radically changed the lives of the people involved in that church. Because suddenly they found a new family. They found a new community to belong to. And they needed this new community because the communities that they came out of, their families maybe, their biological families and their their workplaces and the government, they were all abandoning them and scorning them. So they needed this new sense of community to come around. And so they began to share greatly in things. In fact, if you go back and read the very first church that formed up in Jerusalem on that Pentecost day, it says they began to share everything and have it all in common. And there was this sense of if you have a need and I can help meet that need, glad to do it. And they were looking out for each other. So that's going on. In fact, there's probably even a communal meal that's happening on a regular basis. That's happening in, in the rhythm and life of this community. There's this communal meal. Potlucks are in the Bible. There you go. But what seems to be happening, and here's where Paul's concern is, is that there's some that have simply sort of given up and they're now coasting on the charity of everybody else. 
They're, they're not bringing and contributing. And it's not because some can bring a lot and others can only bring a little bit. It's just they've just said, well, it's not worth the fight. It's not worth the effort. I'll just go along for the ride and I'll enjoy the, the, the generosity and the hospitality of everybody else. That's why you have this weird line about we didn't eat anybody's bread without paying for it. And one of the things that would have happened in that culture is that when the rabbis or the teachers or the philosophers would have come to town, you would become a patron of them. And so people would have paid for their knowledge. They would have supported them. Well, Paul's saying, we could have done that. But we intentionally chose not to be paid by you not to be supported by you. We work with our own hands to support ourselves so we could set a model for you in this church that's receiving all this kind of pressure to not simply be idle and not give up. Now, we don't know fully the reason why some of these are given up. Possibly there are some that have given up because they believe Paul's teaching so strongly that Jesus is just about to return that they thought literally it meant next week. And they're like, why do I need a career? We're just biding our time until he gets here and we've got about 72 hours to kill. That's possible. But what I think is the bigger issue going on is that they're just tired and they want to do good, but to go out into the world, into the workforce, and, into the, and, and try to deal with all the hassles and the complexity of life is just tired. And it's just easier to let somebody else do the work and care for you. And they're worn out. And so Paul has this very strong warning against idleness. Against don't quit. Now... Here's why I think this is the problem. Because of how he leads. And then there's a phrase in here that you've heard quoted before. And some of you, when we get to it, you may have thought, Oh, I didn't even know that was from the Bible. But here's this, this idea. So let's read on. Verse 10. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. He's saying, as a, as a process of your Christian faith, if you can, if you're able, you need to be out there working and contributing. It goes on. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Now, I wrestled with this all week long because at first I couldn't draw the connection. Then I realized what they're doing is they're just tired because they feel so beat up that it's just easier to let somebody else carry the load. But he says, you need to stay actively engaged, be at work. And then it comes this, do not grow weary in doing good. And there's the challenge for us. There's the encouragement for us. 
Because I think we live in a time when it's so easy to grow weary from doing good. So weary from serving. So weary from holding a certain set of beliefs that seems like it's at odds with everyone around you. So challenged to not be the one at at the office that takes the shortcuts and cuts the corners and fudges the numbers because it's easier. To not be the one that goes along with the status quo of what everybody else does because, well, that's just the way that things are. That's just the way it has to be. Not willing to bend your principles. And even when there's this chaos and thrive of life around you, to still be on the lookout for the neighbor, for the one that needs a helping hand that you can help and minister to. And so he gives us this admonishment, do not grow weary in doing good. Part of me thought about just getting up here and saying, okay, there's the command, now follow it. But that just doesn't seem really helpful, does it? Don't grow weary, just, just don't. Stop it. Take a nap. Now that's not a bad advice though. I'm going to give you three ways. So these are coming from me. To help us live out what Paul is calling us to. Three things to remember. Three mindsets to focus on as we go go through this. The first one is this. As you go through trying to do good, serving Jesus as you can, I want you to realize that you have no idea the impact God is making through your ministry. You have no idea what God is doing through your simple acts of faithfulness. Maybe you're familiar with the story. In Jesus' ministry where a large crowd is gathered and everybody's hungry. And there's a little boy that packed a lunchable. He had two fish and some loaves. And in a moment of faithfulness, he offers that up. He says, I'm willing to share this. Now, all the adults around him looked at him and thought, that's crazy. That's not going to go very far. And we've got a massive crowd here. But he was faithful in that moment. There's no way that in that moment that that young boy understood what Jesus could do with what he was going to offer. He just was willing to offer it. And Jesus, because of his power and his spirit and what he can do in a moment, he took that faithful offering and he multiplied it beyond imagination and fed a crowd. What do you think the boy thought going home that day? Mom, you're never going to believe what happened. You know the goldfish snacks you sent me with? They fed 5,000 people. I love the story. In the 1850, in England... There was a snowstorm on a Sunday morning. 
And one of the deacons of the church felt that obligation, even though the, the roads were closed and it didn't seem like anybody was going to be able to even make it out. He, Because he was a deacon, he still felt the responsibility to go to church and make sure the doors were open because his job was to light the fires that would warn the building. And so he battles the wind and the snow and the rain and makes it all the way to the building, gets the place warmed up, and 15 people show up to a very large congregation. The preacher doesn't show up. He can't make it. Well, since there are some gathered, this same deacon that we don't even know his name of, feels a responsibility to try preaching. Now, preaching is not his gift. But he gets up there, and he goes to a passage in Isaiah that says, Look to the Lord for your salvation. And he begins to be just fervently, just say, look. And he's not really good at the job of preaching, but he just keeps repeating, look to the Lord, look to the Lord. And he spots a 15-year-old boy out in the, in the audience. This boy had just slipped in because he was also trying to make it back to his house. He wasn't in plan on attending the church service. He just slipped in because the building was warm. And this deacon eyes in on him and he says, Young man, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He didn't notice anything else. He just kept pointing and pointing and said, Look, look, look. And they wrapped up the church service. Everybody made it back to their houses. That man never knew that the 15-year-old boy was Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher in the Reformation in England. And Spurgeon would write in his journal later that it was that day and that moment and that ridiculously simple sermon that he saw Jesus for the first time and went on to preach and proclaim the gospel to thousands, changing a culture and a generation. And the deacon has no idea. You do not know what God can do with you. So as you do not grow weary with doing good, understand that what's at work is well beyond you. In that ministry, your kind offering, your word of encouragement, your well-timed text, your faithfulness in your marriage, your uh, opportunity to serve and teach a Bible class or to teach in our student ministry, whatever it would be, however you serve, you have no idea what God can do through that. Do not grow weary in doing good. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to remember tomorrow may be the day. God delivers your greatest victory of blessing. You you may be 24 hours away from the most incredible thing that God's going to do in your life outside of your own salvation. And that's what Paul is telling them. You need to hang in there because we've got a God that's at work and God is not taking a vacation. He's not leaving and abandoning you. He's at work, even though it's in the midst of it right now, it looks very difficult and it seems like the pressure is unrelenting. You have no idea what God may do and you'll be surprised. 
And so Paul is encouraging, and I'm encouraging you to live with a certain sense of expectation. This certain sense as you wake up in the morning, God, what's today going to bring? Not in the negative sense of, oh, what's today going to bring? But in the sense of, God, what will you do today? Because once again, as we begin to open our minds and our, and our awareness to that, we start seeing God show up and do some incredibly faithful things that typically we would have missed. And it becomes this energizing force. And there's something that maybe you've been praying about for a very long season. And you're just a short time away from seeing God bring it to fulfillment. Do not grow weary in doing good. And the last one. And this is the one that I intentionally wanted to share at last. Because I think this is definitely the one that I struggle with. And then perhaps you do too. But as you minister, as you do good, I want to encourage you this. Minister from your blessing, not for a blessing. It is so tempting and easy, especially to do what I do. To get up here and minister, but what I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to elicit a certain response out of you to make me feel good about myself. Does that make sense? Thank you. What I'm actually underneath driving for is a sense of if you would just kind of pat me on the back. If you would make me feel better. Where I want to be from and where God's calling me to be from, He's calling you to be from, is to minister from my blessing. Because Jesus has done a work in my life and He's done a work in your life. And we are redeemed people. Meaning that God has already left his mark on us. Has already done the work. And the more I begin to focus on that blessing, the more that I begin to focus on that truth and that reality, the weariness begins to subside. Because I'm not chasing something then. I'm being powered by something. You get the difference? Because if my greatest goal is to get you to somehow affirm me or in your ministry, wherever that is, that you're doing it because you're hungry, craving for the affirmation, that one will not get satisfied. But if you minister from your blessing then you'll come to realize that we serve a God that can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So Paul finishes out this letter this way. So I'd like this blessing from Paul to the people at Thessalonica to be his blessing to us today. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of the genuineness in every letter of mine is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. If you will, let's pray together.
Father, from the words of Paul that he wrote so many years ago, to our ears and our hearts and our lives today, Father, I pray for all those that have grown weary. Pray for those that are tired, that are seeking, that are ready just to give up. Father, I ask that you would help us to have a sense, maybe, of the impact that you're providing. That in just short time, you could be delivering the incredible miracle that we're waiting for. And Father, help us to all minister from our blessing and to focus on it, not to chase one. Father, may Paul's blessing to those Christians so long ago be the blessing that we receive today of peace. Peace from Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.